Welcome to SCGA Off the Hazel, the official podcast of the South Carolina Golf Association. The Palmetto Shop is proud to sponsor the Off the Hazel podcast and the South Carolina Golf Association. We are your one-stop shop for all your screen print, embroidery, and promotional products needs. Our team will work with you from conception to completion. Low minimums to high volume, we can accommodate all your staff or team apparel, uniforms, and marketing needs. You can find us on Facebook as Palmetto Shop, the web at thepalmettoshop.com, or call us at 803-252-5058. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of SCGA Off the Hazel. I'm Alan Knight, joined by Biff Lathrop. Biff, what's going on? Not much, man. Having a great day. It's beautiful outside. Uh, as as we speak, our PGA Championship is going on down in Kiowa right now, so we're yep. excited to watch a little golf this weekend. Get home and watch that. Uh, about to get hot, and the grass is going to start popping. Dude, they're talking like 100 degrees. I know. I'm not there. ready. It's too early for 100. I like 100, but it's too early for 100. Yeah, I'm not ready. 100 in May doesn't work. No, no. 100 in August is understandable. Correct. Right? Yeah. Well, here we are. We'll deal with it. So what we got going on SCGA-wise? Again, man, busy weeks. Uh, May is rocking and rolling. We uh, we just had this past Monday, we made up our 40-plus event that was at Florence Country Club. Yeah. Um, that was originally scheduled for January. He got rained out. Uh, we had about 70 guys there. Um, Kip Bulk Night shot him a little one under par to take the, the gross event for that day. And uh, the senior division, Duff Wagner shot a 75 to win. And super senior, Dr. Bob Eden shot a little 68 out there at Florence Country Club. I can't believe he's a super senior. Isn't that crazy? And I, I tell you, for those of you who aren't familiar with the 40-plus series, uh, just a, a fun fun set of events that we do, try to do on Mondays. Uh, generally, there's shotgun. I think we're going to get back to shotguns here pretty soon. Um, but we bring in 10 o'clock shotgun. Uh, it's a $90 entry fee. We, we takes care of your cart, takes care of lunch for you, uh, and we do payouts in both gross and net for for 40 and over seniors which is 55 and over and super seniors which is 65 and over so yeah uh, a great opportunity to get out there and see some and we take some pretty darn good golf courses too so no they're great golf courses yep, yep. And the food's usually good i used to when i worked them i'd always have you played your first one yet i did I, I i uh did it in florence last year and my goal was not to finish last and i think i was two from last okay well you didn't finish last. You did no, great. It was, um, it was tough. My, I, I know when, when Dad started these 40-pluses, I thought about it. I said, man, that's forever away before I can play in those things. Yeah. And now I'm getting close to that senior division. So. Well, now most of my buddies have turned 40, so we might get some groups out well, there. Well, and that's the other thing about this, too. You know, we allow you, if you want to email us and let us know, if you and your buddies want to play together, let us know. This particular event, we'll group you together and make it a fun day. They don't have to be within the same division. Everybody can play together. So. No, no. Um, so, yeah, we did that, and uh, – Again, as we're speaking, Kirk and Kyle are down at the Legends at Paris Island finishing up the Super Senior 4-Ball, which is uh, age 65 and older. That's one of the events we lost last year uh, for odd, obviously yeah. obvious reasons. Um, so we'll see what's happening. They, uh, I know Tim Pope and his partner got off to a strong start yesterday, so we'll see uh, how that finishes up and we'll have results for you next time we get together there. Sweet. Um, move right on into Saturday's event. We've got our first state junior qualifier we're going to be at Starfort uh this saturday so got a bunch of kids coming up there trying to earn a spot for this junior championship it's going to be at forest forest lake country club in june and yeah. um it's going to be this is going to be a cha- junior championship nobody's ever seen before they have that, that membership there has raised a lot of money 
there's going to be a lot of amenities. There's going to be tents out there, food tents, and uh, it's electronic scoreboard. It's going to be pretty pretty incredible. I'm looking forward to being part of it myself. Well, we're excited to have you out there. It'll be fun. Uh, you know, it's always fun to be around Forest Lake and that crowd, John Winterhalter, and how good he's been to us for years and years. So yeah. Um, and just moving on in, you know, to, to what's coming up, we got the we got the four ball at Musgrove Mill, another event we lost last year. So we're looking forward to getting back to there. Two days of stroke play, we go into match play. Uh, so it's uh, it's always fun. I love match play. We don't yeah. do it very often, but it'll, it'll be fun to kind of see those guys get. And Musgrove is the perfect golf course for a match play event because you can make a bunch of birdies out there, but you can make a bunch of mm-hmm. others out there too. Now, that's a great, yeah. As you and I have experienced. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then uh, you know just moving into June real quick, we we got our U.S. Senior Open qualifier. We're going to be at Green Valley on June the second. And then our second junior qualifier, June the 5th, uh, is going to be at Hartsville Country Club, which has been very good to us for nice. years and years. And uh, that'll be able to get this last last group of qualifiers into the championship. That'll be different because the kids only usually play when it's dormant, not when it's green in That's November. That's true. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They'll get a new It'd experience. It'll be a little bit different. Right. Hartsville for them, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're excited because this is first time I can remember in a long time we've had to do qualifiers for the junior championship. And that's how much, uh, you know, inf- I'll put it to you this way. The last time I remember it, Cody Prevost was qualifying. We were at Barnwell. <clears throat> and Caleb wasn't old enough to even try. And he sat on the putt green for four and a half hours while Cody played. Caleb putted the whole time. I remember my wife worked, and I was like, look at that little kid. Might be why Caleb's done what he's done right. today, getting ready to try to pro circuit and yep. finishing up the University of South Carolina. So good for good for them. Yeah. Those provos can play. They can, they can. But uh, it's been a while, and that's yeah. cool, man. I look forward to it. Yeah, we're excited. It's uh, you know that junior championship years ago. I say years ago, probably eight years ago. It was it was struggling a little bit. We couldn't get the participation we wanted, and man, it's just taking off, and it's great. It's our state junior, and it's, it is an SCGA event. We, our junior crowd runs it, obviously, because they know everybody, but um. It's uh, it, it's it's one of our our four majors that we have in the South Carolina Golf Association, so we're we're excited. Right. What else we got other than a bunch of shirts going out the door? Yeah, a bunch of shirts going out the door. Uh, you know, we we moving into June. We got all kinds of things going into June as far as you know yeah. events and schedules. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It, it doesn't stop this time of year. So <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. <clears throat> but uh, it, it, we're excited again. We got everything on schedule. Uh, you know, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna put everything out. We got it on. We got the calendars filled and. If we got to dance, we'll dance as far as COVID or anything else that comes up. But I think we're kind of we're kind of looks like we're moving into the clear a little bit. So, well, we're going to do something a little different here uh, before we get to Tim Krieger, which I guess I should mention. Tim and I also do a podcast together. I don't think we ever mentioned that in this interview. Well, I was going to let you do that if you yeah, wanted to. Uh, pulling weeds, especially with this one. It's uh, it's all about the golf course superintendents, very similar to the show, but uh, about the Carolinas. So. Well, I, in all honesty, I, you know, before we started doing these, I had not listened to one before and I, and the first one I listened to was pulling weeds and yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Y'all do a good job with it. You got some great guests on there. I know, I know you had Reimer on there not long ago yeah. and had Chris Patton and, you know, some really, some really good guests on there. So y'all have done a great job with it. Yeah. Myrtle Beach should have been happy last week because the, the day the Bill Golden came out, our Charlie Reimer also had come out. So we had okay. Myrtle Beach covered that week. Super. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, we do have somebody sitting over here and before we get to her, I'll let Beth introduce her. I want to take a second. Ann Maloney, who I still call Ann Manus, yes, has moved on as, as a new position, moved back to Hilton Head. But I just want to take a quick second and thank her for working with her and everything we did together. Uh, she did a great job. She'll be missed. And uh, good luck down there in Hilton Head. She was great. And she created the position that, that we that we had to currently fill. Um, 
she brought us into the social media world and and uh we thrived and we're going to miss her obviously we're going to miss her and she did a great job and she to her credit she has stayed on to help us on, on kind of on a part-time basis so we haven't don't lose any traction yeah um and so we put out you know knowing what we were losing we put out some some uh request and, and had some some people come in and interview with us and i am very happy to say that, that we were able to find an, somebody to take this position uh we got a new director of marketing and her name is michaela king how are you doing today michaela hey i'm good thank y'all for having me and thank you for that sweet intro <laughs> you're welcome well you you've earned it we're excited michaela's first day was yesterday uh i told i told her as i'm texting her 8:45 last night here we go game yeah. on you know there's no stopping in the golf industry so nope. um we're excited to get her in there she's just now kind of getting herself set she came from alabama um so she had to, a quick turnaround she she had to get here from alabama find a place to live uh so this is all brand new for her so we're, we're excited about having her with us so where where you where'd you go to school the university of alabama i hear Roll you tide i hear had you to throw it in there <laughs> she had to get in she told me she's gonna get in there too as we're sitting uh what 300 yards from williams bryce stadium right. at the palmetto shop right right um so but you interned for the i did i interned i was a pj boatwright for uh the alabama golf association so really really enjoyed that opportunity and nice. i'm excited to be here and get dive into everything this summer it'll be fast paced but it'll be good yeah so you got no idea what you're in for <laughs> no idea but, uh, did you get to go up to far hills being the pj boatwright they probably didn't do that this they didn't year. do that last year so that was a yeah. and and you know she worked with andy priest and yeah you know what i think about andy priest he's a yeah. longtime friend of mine uh I lean on him a lot. Uh, he, he and he, he. What my final decision was was talking to Andy because I trust so much, and so yeah. we are super excited to have Michaela in here. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Michaela does. I told her, you know, this is this. Ann did a great job, but but Ann is, is is at another position now, so this is Michaela's to, to make to make Michaela's her own. Yeah. And uh, you're gonna see some new things out there. We're gonna have a different different you know angle on some things, and and uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep rocking. So we're excited about it. Uh, looking forward to having her with us and thank Michaela thank you for taking the job and we're glad, glad to have you on the team well thank you for giving me the job and I'm <laughs> glad to be on the team <laughs> Great. Are, are you a golfer I'm not okay I'm not a golfer but I'm here to tell all the golfer stories that's right that's nothing wrong with that I'm just trying to get a little background <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I can be defined as a golfer um, you're going to play tomorrow I am going to play oh let me throw something else out here while we're throwing accolades out here uh, okay. if I can real quick uh, this past weekend my co-host here Alan Knight and his partner Keith Chichester yep, yep. took home the title at the member member at Columbia Country Club that was big I'm still I don't I haven't gotten the email about the ticker tape parade to Blythewood yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome eh? anytime you can win something like that especially as little as you play because I know you don't yeah. get to play much uh, that, congratulations great day. I appreciate it I'm very happy with it so. well good well we're looking forward to hearing about tim everything tim's got to tell us are we i think so are we i said it i'm just kidding no here, no we are here he is my man tim krieger the palmetto shop is your one-stop shop for all of your logoed apparel promotional and marketing needs offering full service embroidery and screen printing for business athletic teams and personal needs, along with a variety of gift options with our trademarked Palmetto Tree and Moon. You can find us on Facebook as Palmetto Shop, the web at thepalmettoshop.com, or call us at 803-252-5058. Tim Krieger, welcome. 
We're happy to have you here in the Palmetto Shop Studios joining us today. Glappy to be here too, Alan. Did I say glappy? You sure did. Okay, I'm happy to have you here. Happy and glappy. So why are you here? Been asking you that for 20 minutes. The reason you're here is your time here and we, we got some good stories. Sounds like we're in Columbia. We are in Bluff Road. <laughs> Must be a stadium around here. What years did you work at the SCJGF? With you? Yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. That'll come in. Um, I was hired in February of 2000, and I worked until October of 2007. What did you do there? I was the director of development for the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation. I did the fundraising for the junior golf programs. You raised the money that Chris Miller spent? That was one of my favorite lines, yes. That You originated that line? Pretty sure it came out of the back office there. It said, yeah, I'll raise the money he spends it. Gotcha. So uh, We've said that to a number of parents at tournaments. <laughs> Joe still says it this day, do you not? Yeah, but now it's Justin. True. Justin spends the money. Who's this? Are you going to welcome in your co-host? We've already welcomed him in, but this is Joe Quick. Oh, I didn't get the intro. Sorry. Correct. It hadn't been done yet. Well, how'd you get, what'd you do before you came to the SEJGF? I was in retail. I did that for four years after um, getting out of school at Clemson. Studied sports marketing there and um, did retail and took a hiatus and uh, was a starter marshal at Fort Jackson working for Mike Casto for minimum wage after four years of doing fairly well in retail. And um, Was that your first golf job? No, I'd worked there before in college. Okay. Yeah, in a couple places, but um, it was uh, move back home with the folks, take a six-month break, figure out, reassess what you're going to do, and Phil Pendergrass walked in for lunch one day. And Phil Pendergrass, who, was, who I worked under as the intern in 2002. Who was Phil to you? He was my boss. But at the time, director of rules and competition, I believe? The, yes, he was the director of rules and competitions. Um, for the SCGA, right? Correct. And ran, I don't know when he was hired, because I was in the intern in 02. He was Hap's first full-time employee, if I'm not mistaken, other than Paul. Oh, yeah. We'll have Biff on in a little bit to fix all the history. Matt Harbin, correct. Yeah, 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 sorry. But Phil was one of the few in the office originally. He was definitely an OG, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and he had been the assistant golf professional at Fort Jackson. Did he, not know that. Yeah, he and I used to um, play golf in the evenings during my between my freshman and sophomore year in college. Really? That's how I first met Phil, and when he came out for lunch that day, he asked me what I was doing. And I told him I'd since graduated, and I was in between jobs, and he looked at me and he said do you know anything about fundraising? And I said, absolutely not. He's like, um, well, I think Hap is looking for somebody to raise money for junior golf. And I said, who's Hap? He told me who Hap was because I didn't know. Um, and then I think that was on a, I don't know what day of the week. One day of the week, the following Thursday, I had an interview. The following Monday, I had a second interview. And the following Monday, I started Wow. With Hap across the hall for the South Carolina Junior Golf Foundation. Was so, golf week already intact at that point? It was. I think it started in 1997 when the law was passed to recognize um, – it was a bill that was passed in 97. I think Doug Smith championed it through. Governor Beasley. And it was to recognize the economic impact of the game of golf in the state of South Carolina. Yeah. And I think that burden fell um, on the Golf Association office to promote that throughout the week. And so Monday, I think it started with the Trescott Championship. Tuesday, we did 
um, a kids on green thing that we kind of implemented, if I'm not mistaken, in the early 2000s. Which is almost like that STEM program that's out there now. It's the same as the Kids on Green program virtually that the GCSA started. Okay. Yeah, it's a model that came out of Washington, but I think you could originate it back to Trent and Jeff Cannell's vision of Kids on Green. Right. Doing that out at Columbia. Fort, at Fort mm-hmm. Jackson. Yeah. Or, no, Columbia, you're right. Um, and then I think it was Wednesday we did the reception for the legislature where right. we would have it for a couple hours in the evening and we would have banners up talking about the economic impact of jobs, things of that nature. And then on Thursday, we'd host the Legislative Classic where we would pair lobbyists with legislators and do it as a fundraiser for junior golf. And then Friday of that week, we tried to do the quarter of a round thing a couple times and just, just generate some more interest. But, man, it was just I don't even remember that. Tough. I don't think that was all before you. And, again, it was coming at the tail end of the 90s, yeah. early 2000s, where the golf boom had just started to tweak – and then you got to remember from a fundraising perspective, um, I mean, I'll never forget this day, but I was sitting across from Hap, and he had that damn one-dial tune radio that I think he got when he got hired in the 40s. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It was probably the 60s. But it was that same radio. Um, I think it had wood panel like the walls in the office, too, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, out of that radio, Hap was talking, and I heard him say a plane hit the tower. Oh, really? And I just remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. And I ran across the hall. I got on MSNBC. I think I called up to Biff at the moment. We were all watching MSNBC as it crashed. I mean, I still get goosebumps to think about this. I was trying to get a hold of my dad. He was down at his shop. And I literally, I mean, coming up from a military family, I really thought that was the day. Like, I was scared. Like, I thought we were under full-blown attack that day. Um, And so, anyhow, we went through 9-11. And then we experienced a recession. So during the periods of 2000 to 2007, I just remember national hardship the most as a yeah. as an embodiment. And golf fell significantly from the building, gosh, three to four, 500 new courses a year to, I think at the tail end, right when I left, the, the, the stats were coming out where they were balancing out to, you tried to have as many openings as closures, if I'm not mistaken, kind of starting in the mid 2000 block yeah. of that first decade of the 2000s so but yeah um golf week was a thing um it was important i think we still carry that torch very well now i think collectively golf as a group in the carolinas tries to help with that more than just the scga per se bearing the burden um so you've got the owners that come out the pga the club managers the superintendents association and we all try and bring folks together for one day during uh, the hospitality day um, and show the importance of golf through the hospitality industry. I mean, I don't know the stats right now, but hell, at one point, golf was 70-something percent of the admissions taxes in the state of South Carolina collected. Yeah, right for really? Now. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think the number was, gosh, significant in the hundreds of millions of dollars that golf was putting back into the state legislative budget through administrative, just, just through the administ- admissions tax. Gotcha. What a damn mouthful. So, was the golf ball invented when you were there, or did you help originate that? Yes. Okay. Which question, Alan? Either one. Not the first. Um, Here's the golf ball, as I remember it. And I hate to say this because I might sound selfish, I don't mean to, but I distinctly remember walking around the halls of that place. I found out how much money was in the bank. I added up how much I was going to make and realized that that wouldn't be two years. Um, if we didn't do something, 
we had been to some Ducks Unlimited banquets, some things of that nature. Um, I met this random guy on our board named Charlie Roundtree, who was a bit on the aggressive side um, and had a lot of ideas. And so I just remember walking down the halls one day and looking at all the art hanging there. And I said to Charlie, I said, why don't we just hang all this stuff hanging on the, sell all this stuff hanging on the walls? I was like, we could make a ton of money just from an auction, which then I think it was Charlie, myself, Hap, and one other person at the Capital City Club. And this would have been in the fall of 2000, because I think the first one was in 2001. I think it was 2002, because it was the day that I interviewed with Phil, or the weekend, and I'd come home from Clemson. And that weekend, I was invited to the golf ball and got to go, and because I was buddies with Clay, True Luck, back then, who was the intern the year before me. Was that the year he deleted the database? I think it was the next year, because I wasn't there. And yeah, so 2000, Clay, it, right. it would have been in. <laughs> How do you remember Clay True Luck the most, Tim? He raced the entire database Excel sheet at the end of the first golf ball auction. Love you, Clay. Oh, did he really? He did. Because uh, you hit the X, and then you're supposed to be able to hit save. He's like, he had a few, I think, if I remember. I did, but nothing popped up. <laughs> but if I'm not mistaken, that was February. I think that yeah. was a February of 2002, because that's when I came and interviewed for my internship position in May, starting in May. But, yeah, we basically developed the concept right. to try and do a fundraiser per se, and which I think kind of morphed us into. Did you start at the fairgrounds? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's how we met Tim, the guy over there. Jimmy Stevenson with Southern Way Catering was there from day one because Jimmy was involved with the DU and the QU banquets. And I had known him going to those banquets with the old man for years here because my dad, let me just tie the whole thing together, retired out of Fort Jackson. We're right here in Columbia, which is where the Irmo office is, just north of Columbia for those. And so Tim and I have a running joke on our podcast, Pulling Weeds, that literally I thought we worked together two years. I thought four. And I realized I got hired in 06, and he left in 07. I said, oh, we only worked one year together. But it felt like, honestly, three to four years. A year and a half-ish. But then, I mean, Tim was still living in Columbia and Lexington, and so he was coming back and That's between the, the golf ball for when golf you moved to Upstate, like Monday 2009 or 10. Because I still got a picture when Caden was born at their old house in Lexington. Between that and Monday after the Masters and Tiger Golf, Tiger Golf Gathering, we just saw him so much. It oh, felt, yeah. Yeah. I still worked all those events. Yeah. It was part of my resignation contract to HAP. Nice. Yeah. I offered up whatever the time that we agreed on, and then there were like six or eight bullet points of transition. Yeah. And I thoroughly blamed Charles Borman for that. Why did Charles play Chuck? Your if predecessor. Chuck ain't never called HAP to ask if it was okay to leave. Oh. Uh, I got you. So who I, had to live through it? I'm surprised. The guy across the hall from Hap. That's, I'm surprised Chuck didn't call So him. how do you, and never to this day, still ain't called him. <laughs> Not that either one of them are mad about it, but I'm stuck in the middle of this crap still, so. Oh, um, man. That's funny. Yeah, part of the appeasement package, I think, instead of the resignation package was, here, I'll come back and I'll help with all these, because I, I can tell you, I think I was pretty hard-pressed at the time to lobby like hell for Joey to get the gig. Yeah. Because I had all the confidence in the world, and he had lived through so many of these events that we had created in those years together. I mean, he felt it was natural. Oh, without question. I mean, there were a number of things that had just popped up where I don't know if it was right, wrong, or indifferent. Lack of fundraising expertise. Um, it's just like anything else in life. If you could go back and do it now, you'd do it differently. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there should have been, in my opinion, more of an annual give. Like we tried so hard and just could never get the right program <laughs> dialed in, whether it be the Friends of Junior Golf or whatever, any of those annual giving campaigns. And so we found yeah. ourselves doing events, and we became event-driven to raise those funds. And yeah. so I think that's how, you know, at our peak, I remember one year we took in over $800,000. And it was mostly event-driven, and then that was unfortunately a year where some people had passed, and memorials came in. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that's important for all the people around that play in the SCGA events, is that y'all need to realize that maybe you feel like you're helping the association by playing in the events. Um, maybe you feel like by being a member and, and putting a logo on your head and, and doing some branding, you feel like you're doing your part. As someone on the inside, I will just say this. You're not. You're not doing enough to give back to the game um, by just playing and just coming out. And so long term, if you ever have that desire, the older you get to fulfill that wish to give back. Maybe you don't have time to volunteer right now. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe it's this, that, or the other. You can always leave something behind. And so with the estate taxes, the way they work in the state of South Carolina, just call Joey up. And work out a plan where, man, even if you left 1% behind, that's 1% less your family would get taxed on and just leave it to the foundation for the betterment of the game coming up the road, you know? I think it's a it's an understated element, but the memorial program has been phenomenal. I'd, I'd venture to say there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that have come into the association or the foundation since 2000, if you will, um, through the memorials, unfortunately, from some people who we've lost along the way. Yeah, it's tough because, I mean, we've had a couple here recently, too, that have been very instrumental and dynamic with the association and the junior golf program. And I'd give a moment of silence for Rick Miller right now. Joey, you got anything for him until I move on to our next points? Uh, no, I think that the transition piece, though, um, Tim did a great job of asking me to come along and help kind of be really like an administrative assistant to the foundation and, and through that getting introduced to people like Jimmy Stevenson to getting exposure to folks and ideas like from Charlie Roundtree and and uh, you know when you get those introductions and you can kind of make an easier transition when somebody leaves that's been as or that was as dynamic as Tim and creating all those events and programs then um, it makes it a lot easier for somebody like me I like that word dynamic he's pretty dynamic he is dynamic beard it's really dynamic. It, the, the beard has shrunk since the last time I've seen him. So I would say on that point too, um, and uh, I'll leave it be. Yeah, 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 I'm with you on that. I appreciate it. I think that it's a challenge for Joe though, as you move through it as a single employee of a foundation is all that I would say. And that's what I found out the hard way is that fundraising, people give to people, okay? And you have to be present to make that happen. And when you bear the administrative tasks that come with raising money, it challenges your time. And so it's hard to be present in a lot of places to create a lot of networking and relationship opportunities. And so um, when you have to go from ask to process to deposit to account for to then writing the the reports to then writing the programs to then writing the ads and the follow-ups that come with it, at what point do you have time to go back and do the fundraising? And I think those are things that I learned looking back on, not during. Because every moment you just felt so busy. 
You know, I, I oh, jokingly yeah. say there were times in that office where I didn't feel that busy, but as a professional now looking back on those times, I question myself for not making better use of them yeah. and wondering if we couldn't have ever got to a million dollars a year in terms of income. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I think you it's digress. important. I, I digress, but I think it's important to realize the challenges, and that's why I was so appreciative of Joe when he came in as an intern because I had someone that I don't want to say I could dump on, yeah. but I was lot. definitely dumped. No, you were definitely, I felt like his right-hand man. When he needed something, you were his right-hand guy, and it was a natural fit for him to slide into that role. Well, without question, and I mean, if you got to go out and collect 300 items to go out and put on display to sell, somebody's got to go through the administrative process of logging those, oh, of, yeah. of creating bid sheets, I dare say, and just the tedious timeliness of it. And so, Imagine if Chris Miller had uh, done those sheets. If, Even if he'd have typed them and printed them, I wouldn't have trusted him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much the handwriting. That may be a running joke. Chris Miller may catch a little shrapnel on this show going forward. But well, there, let's just no, go ahead no and get question. it out there. There's no may about it. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and put it out there. Between Hap, Chris Miller, and me, yeah. who's got the worst handwriting? Hap. Hap. Okay. Hap. I was just making sure it was, it's it was a fair. Well, but... Does he get anything because he's originally right-handed, but he tries to write left-handed just to be different? I, I, I will say, <laughs> I, I dare to say that I have a Ph.D. in deciphering Hap Lathrop's handwriting. Oh, yeah. When you got to look at the numbers, you got to be able to decipher <laughs> it because those decimals move on you depending on which line you're on. There has been a time or two where I've had to look at that word and go, I don't know what that says. But. Yeah, that's And you could be offended the first two times right, you read it. Right. Or when he's on the road and he calls in the office, Joe, can you go over to my office? I got a notepad, and that notepad, you look down, and you can't tell what's going on. He's like, on the seventh line from the right-hand column to here, here, I got a phone number. And it's like, that's a phone number? And you know what? Nah, man, that's X's and O's from your girlfriend. (laughs) You figured it out. You figured it out. Was Can-Am going on before your time? (laughs) Can-Am. 99? Why are you laugh at that, Alan? Because that brought back a memory. <laughs> Why are you look at Biff when I said that? You don't work there laughing. anymore. <laughs> Can-Am was a code word we used. Oh, yeah. When Hat pulled back up to the office, you'd hear somebody yelling out, Can-Am. <laughs> and then the, the OG that, that, means, that means put the club against the wall, hide the yellow yellow ball that's bouncing <laughs> off the walls. <laughs> office golf is over. Can-Am, oh, Can-Am. We will used get... to run through the office. Can-Am, Can-Am. Yeah. That's so funny. Tell us, Biff's laughing because he was one of them. <laughs> he oh, knows. Yeah. He's guilty. He had a yeah. wedge that he wore out from a damn wiffle ball. Biff, Biff would yell Can Am. Uh, you're uh, you're going to Can Am here. The matches, yeah. And if I may, um, when I interned, Tim and I kind of hit it off because we were the only two Clemson grads. But Can Am, when <laughs> I came cut. back on staff, I was just before you. I came on in January or January or February of '06, and the Can Am matches were in March and. I remember Tim saying, I need a, somebody to go and help chaperone these boys. And lo and behold, I guess Woody Baltgolvis had left the office right when I came on staff. That might have been the room for me. And I came on as the uh, with the wound. <laughs> I'm glad my mic's turned out. I'm over here giggling, just laughing. He came so out of Woody. All right. Woody. <laughs> what size? <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. You, you were Woody's fill-in for the first Canyon matches down there. And so I really came on as the director of communication. We started the Palmetto Golfer magazine back in the beginning of 06. That was the first issue we put out. And then kind of like we've discussed, became kind of the sidekick for Tim and the fundraising initiatives, and we head down to watch us all. And At the time, though, you were the 
What was your title? That was the director of communications, communications yeah. the doc. Yeah. And uh, we had down there, and I can remember first thing we did was hop in a golf cart and ride out there. And there's Pete Kelly and Barry Brown who passed away a couple of years ago, and a couple of guys that had been in business together. They had been in the military together and had moved down to watch us all to retire. And just classic. I mean great people and we're very involved with the matches along with John Lopez a former president of the Golf Association and with the membership down there they took ownership of this event and that was a major major impact that 2006 Can-Am matches um, getting to see the kids because in something like that you've only got eight back then it was only eight aside it was eight boys versus eight boys from Ontario and you get to meet the parents and you get to have that you know kind of close connection with the kids when you're chaperoning and trying to make sure you know heck at that time i was only 26 27 years old so i felt like i was still a kid myself and yep but getting to know the families and the people and man it was just that that event is still as special as anyone we do to this day to me personally any fond memories from Can-Am for you, Tim? I'm staring off into space debating on whether or not I'm allowed to tell the story, but <laughs> well, here we go. Here um, we. He's an adult now. Um, so my first Can-Am matches ever. Um, so I had gotten hired in February, and the Can-Am matches are in March. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a couple weeks on the job, and Paul Ruliard says, you're coming with me. I was like, okay, where are we going? Myrtle Beach. So that's when I met Tracy Connor for the first time at Baytree. Oh, wow, as the yeah. pro, um, Baytree, which is no longer in existence, is a 27-hole facility. Um, and they were all staying in this one hotel, and because I was late, I had to stay in a separate hotel by myself. Um, no big deal, but Paul and I got back together before I was supposed to go to the hotel, and he's like, we're going to go over to the room, and we're going to check on the kids. So I said, okay, I'll go with oh, you. Oh, I know where this is going. This is great. So I walk in, and couple of the kids had a dip in you know and whatever paul gave his 10 15 minute speech and during it he walked over to the fridge got a cup of orange juice poured it poured the orange juice put the orange juice back in the fridge gave his little speech and then we're walking out and we're on the balcony like i think it was like a third floor of some i don't even remember down in cherry grove and we get about three or four doors down and he says so what'd you think how did i do i said well, Paul, I ain't, I'm new here. I said, but are you going to let them kids drink that beer? And he said, what? What are you talking about? I said, you didn't see that case of beer right behind the orange juice you just poured yourself? Well, no. And it was like the dip wasn't even an issue at that point. And so, um, anyways, he's like, you leave. <laughs> Because I guess I didn't get to be the bad guy then. And so I leave. Paul goes back in, takes the beer from him, finds a bottle of vodka and something else. And so I guess the moral to the story is that of the eight kids that were on that team this year. 2000? Yeah. 2000? One of them's playing on the PGA Tour right now with the last name of Kisner. Yeah. Not sure of his first name. <laughs> but we laughed about that story two years ago when he was sitting in the golf shop at Palmetto and I walked in and he looked at me he's like you're the one who told Paul weren't you and I was like 20 years later you figured me out Giz oh uh, good one <laughs> so yeah that and the Wesley Bryant story that we told on our podcast um, with the Superintendent's Association called Pulling Weeds y'all should check it out sometime um, Wesley has a good Can-Am story on there as well something about donkeys 
But you also uh, checked that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a different. Yeah. You have to go to that show to hear anything about that. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a couple really good stories. But I will tell you, the best thing about Can Am is what Joe talked about the people, the community down there at Watchesaw, and how they welcomed men. And they've grown it to since having 16 on 16, eight girls and eight guys. They put those people in their homes now. They don't have to stay in hotels. <clears throat> I mean, you just can't imagine a better way to go at it. And so, um, what a great start to the golf season, and what a great reward for some junior golfers in South Carolina. Yeah, it's, I mean, the names that come from not just South Carolina, but the Canadians. I can remember walking in a buddy's house, and his dad was watching the, an LPGA event one day, and Rebecca Lee Bentham, who played in Canada, somebody had a caddy bib on, and I'm like, I know that name. Huh. Go back and look, and of course, it's from one of the Ontario girls, and Brooke Henderson. I don't know if she ever played for team for Ontario, but because she was on the Canadian junior team, but um, I mean, I think even on that Kisner team, Bill Haas might have been on that team too. Now, I Billy I, was the year before. Okay, I knew they were on the team together. Um, we had Ben Duncan, Zach Seifert. Seifert, who just um, won the SCGA mid-amateur. Alex Hamilton was on that team. Okay, coach. I can't think of the others. I bet if I went through, I could. But uh, I think Delahousse, maybe. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know? I got to bring this up, Joe. You're going to hate me for this. Oh, boy. You know how I used to hang the team photos every year? This came up this week, Alan. Okay. So, obviously, I'm going to just shut up about it because the way Joe replied to that. (laughs) Yeah, you can call me Mo at that point. (laughs) Yeah, 13. 2013 is still up there. It's the last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get it when you have, you know. I got you. Oh, two kids. Oh, is he making fun of you because there's no team photo after thirteen? Well, I mean, yeah, and I used to hang space left in there either. True, but I used to hang post-it notes <laughs> with just the years. <laughs> <laughs> Biff said something. He's like, he's looking. We were looking for somebody. I can't remember who it was. Um, hey, Joe, don't you wish you were so busy in that office like Alan that you had time to mess with everybody else? That's a different story. So tell me. Uh, oh, we're not going to talk about all the free time you had versus me and Joe having yeah, to work we can, and where Tim and Lynn and I think Mo led, came from. Oh, he's looking at his clock, everybody. Else I think, no, no, I no. think it led to a new career. Grumpy. It this led to a, a new career, man. What are you talking about? Whoa, don't touch the mic. Oh, I think I lost can, my signal. We can certainly go there, but I had a couple wrap-up questions to get oh, you out of here. <laughs> so this <laughs> is not about Alan. Hold on. Hey, everybody. My name is Tim Krieger. I'd like to welcome you into the SCGA podcast here with my co-host, Joe Quick. We're going to be talking to a 2004 to 2008 employee by the name of Alan Knight today, everyone. Hey, Alan, how are you? I'm doing good, Tim. How are you? Oh, yeah. OCD. Let him get back to being Al. Sorry, big Al. Love you, babe. What's one of your fondest memories during your tenure at the foundation? The all-star matches. I don't remember her name, um, but there was a little girl who had rarely played golf before. I met her and her mother. We hugged, and I just sat and talked to her for 30, 40 minutes. And during the year, I started getting emails and phone calls from her, and it just made a difference. Nice. being there with her, and it was a relationship that was built, and I I feel terrible. I mean, there were a number of them, especially because I never felt like I got to get out and see the results. The scholarship winners, you never met the – the players, etc. When you get into the fundraising, but when, when I had to go work at the All Stars because there were so many kids in different places, I got to meet the kids and feel the benefit of the fundraising and see where the results were going. And man, that that mattered. Yeah, that mattered. Good. That I, mattered the most. That's why some of the matches are so fun because you get to know you get to know them. I mean, it started off with the relationship comment. I mean, 
you get to make those relationships and have those people. And I mean, just last week we had three guys qualify for the McKenzie Tour. Yeah, Keenan Husky medalist. Will Miles played at Carolina and uh, Jonathan Hardy. Good for Jonathan. Well, I can yeah. tell you, there's still some junior golf parents from that era when I worked there. Oh yeah. Whose kids are now, you know, in their 30s or so that I still stay in touch with yeah. to this day. And, you know, my kids are now their kids' age, and we're 20 years later. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's just been – golf is an amazing community. You can say what you want about the South and the good old boy network, but I would call it um, the good old golf network. And it's not a blue-blooded thing. It's not, you know, a, a, an upright, stiff crowd per se. There is an element of that um, when you come to the game of golf, when you deal with any situations. But I think that – golf in South Carolina is so open and welcoming that it, the events just lend to a ton of participation. They're so well run. Um, and I think that's why the reputation's out there. But I also remember in 2008 getting the golf digest recognition for the South oh, Carolina yeah. junior golf association sure. as one of the top junior golf programs in the country. And if I'm not mistaken, Joey and I collaborated on a seven page article that went into that magazine that was almost well, I just remember a lot of it being what we may or may not have written. Um, right, right. But, yeah, it was yeah, – I mean, we were riding a good wave. We did a lot of good things in light of, like we talked about, 9-11, the recession, these type things where money was challenged, but we found new ways to engage those golfers. All right, so let's get you up to today. What you doing today with your time with um, the Carolina's GCSA? And how do you all still work together? Who's you all? You and the founder, well, the Carolina's GCSA and the SCGA. Um, so the Superintendents Association here in the Carolinas got heavily involved with Golf Week in the early 2000s by sponsoring a team because they felt like it was important to have a presence with elected officials and legislature regarding protecting the game of golf, if you will. Um, and you can edit out every if you will from this episode and say 37 seconds approximately Alan thank you um, so I don't know alright uh, what's your role at the Carolinas GCSA well and what I was saying there is with those sponsorships <clears throat> I was giving you time to edit all, all those okay. if you wills yeah. um, <laughs> apparently Chuck Borman, who was the executive director before me, had watched me work at those events and called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, would you like to come work for the Superintendents Association with government relations and public relations, which essentially at the time equated to me making a lateral move in life um, and doing something I'd never done before, which was the same as the fundraising gig I was in. Um, I don't think I was very excited about becoming a registered lobbyist for the state of South Carolina. Um, but that happened. So we did that for two years. And then during that process, transitioned as the executive director, took over for Mr. Borman and have been in that role since, I think, 2008 um, and engaged Charlie Roundtree, et cetera. But our relationship today is a lot of it is designated around growing the game of junior golf, supporting those programs. We think it's important for from our association standpoint to support that as well as their legislative activities and prowess. And so we sponsor a number of events and through our relationships with the other allied golf groups, ensure that everybody stays engaged with what's going on 
and how they can participate through the foundation in particular. But you also financially support the golf ball and some other initiatives, I would think, correct? Yeah, and yeah. We, that's what I'm getting at. We, we sponsor a lot of those events and activities. Um, and we've got a number of superintendents who now just love attending the golf ball. Um, in fact, we've got – it's funny, on the Twitter machine this morning, I noticed a comment from Scott Ramsey, who is the golf course superintendent at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He loves the golf ball. Really? In fact, he grabbed me at a GIS in, I think, San Diego. Like, one of my first or second years I had been working with the Superintendents Association, and he brought it up because he was driving down the road and heard, I think it was Joey at the time. It might have been me years before talking about it, and he goes to the Masters every year. Okay. So he started getting oh, tickets and coming. sports radio really? that afternoon. Yeah. That's amazing. That's and awesome. so – it's just funny. Scott said something this morning about it because there was a USC comment yesterday in me. But, but yeah. But um, <laughs> so I had to go take a picture of the stadium this morning and show them all, you know. Uh, I ain't afraid. Right. Um, but we have a number of superintendents who'd love to come to that. And so what started as I think we just tried to get golfers has turned into a community event where there's so many more wives and spouses and girlfriends and kids and you know, non-just golf pros, I dare say, or amateurs playing golf that attend that thing. Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, plus I spend my own money now. And Joe will come help at your uh, your tournament each year, help count scorecards. Score cards. Conference and show. Yeah, that's a good partnership as well. Um, I showed Lovely. for approximately eight years that I can't run golf tournaments, and now I've moved <laughs> on, and it took me another ten years to prove with this organization I can't run golf tournaments, and so – um, I learned a good thing from Mr. Terry Sedalek. If you can't do something well and you're responsible for it, outsource it. So, um, kind of like the podcast, kind of like social media. So I would like say everything now. Um, <laughs> these is why my friends are sitting across the table from me. <laughs> the stuff I ain't good at, they can help me with. <laughs> your friends and family are definitely highlights. But what would you say is a highlight of your life each month? The Pulling Weeds podcast. <laughs> wow. I mean, who if, who wants to pay somebody to go see this guy right. twice a month and have to deal with him getting grumpy if I don't ask the right questions? So, if anybody doesn't know, Tim and I have hosted a podcast since 2018. Pulling Weeds. Yep. Check it out. That's, uh, That's P-U-L-L-I-N with an apostrophe. Hey, I got a question. Tim's monthly highlight that he likes the most is sitting in the woods. That's true. Half of pulling weeds is about hunting. I love refuting everyone who I know that says you can't sit still long enough to hunt. I think that's part of my motivation now. Yeah. To prove them wrong. Well, Tim, thank you for joining us. Wait, wait, we ain't done. I ain't asked y'all any questions yet. I figured you needed to get going. We started early. You see that flag out there? No. Yeah. It's been blowing like that, and it's only going to get worse. Alan is trying to get me on the road today, fellas, um, ladies and gentlemen, between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. when the National Weather Service has recommended no traveling. So here we are at 9.38 a.m., and he's rushing me out the door to make sure I'm on I-26 with my half-bald tires getting ready to get blown sideways, folks. That would be the other thing that Tim enjoys the most during the month is driving. Tim does do a lot of driving. Bald tires. So I will say this, and people who I've worked with know this. I, um, I don't sit still well. I don't sit at a desk well. Um, when I do, I'm focused. And I've, if there's one thing I learned about working in Irmo versus working in Liberty is the 
I guess working for myself in terms of accountability versus someone else in a board is the ability to do your job on your time. And so for me personally, I can do just as well if I have to make 30 phone calls in two days, driving around, looking at wildlife, observing areas to be, to take my family, to do things like that, to enjoy the weather, just to be outside in my truck than sitting at my desk making all those calls. Um, Mobile office. And I don't know why. And maybe it's the distractions, right, versus sitting at my desk and being bored and looking at, I don't know, my walls are pretty cool now. So they're looking all right. (laughs) I I was told by one of my staff members the other day that I needed to go build um, some kind of like a, shop or a cabin or something so i could put all the stuff in my office out there i was like um this is my cabin that's Shut funny <laughs> can't afford a cabin i'm not a round tree oh is he here yet hey charlie no i don't think he is he's not okay. but it's funny how fast your head just snapped there i'm like oh huh? the headphones almost flew off you've already talked to him this morning uh, yeah yeah huh? he, we we take each other's calls i hear <laughs> well seriously man thank you for seriously, making the trip though, down here charlie Roundtree, y'all yeah if you don't know him get to know him one of the best means well um like a mentor so i had to get my good charlie roundtree plug in and i haven't given my hap lathrop plug yet but hap lathrop um took a chance on some at the time blonde glasses wearing 20 something year old kid who didn't know what he wanted to do with his life um and he welcomed me in i won't say with open arms but he welcomed (laughs) me in (laughs) um and to have him is what I would be able to call a friend now, over almost 23 years later, 20-something years later, is what matters the most to me. And the fact that he gave me a chance, and he gave all of us a chance sitting no here. Oh, no, yeah. And so um, regardless of how challenging certain days may or may not have been to get through, it's just like with anything else. The hindsight you can learn from and you look back on, and I take a lot from him, and I give him a lot of credit for where the game of golf is um, when he took over, there was less than, I think, 40 member clubs in the state of South Carolina on a handicap roster. And if I'm not mistaken, when I left, there was close to 300 of the 350. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was close. It was up in the high 280s, 270s, 280s. And that all happened in his tenure. The yeah. junior golf program started in his tenure. The foundation was started in his tenure. Um and so I would be wrong if, if I didn't give that man a lot of praise and a lot of credit. And I just wish Biff the best as he has to progress and fill through those shoes that um, he's been smelling his whole life. Poor guy. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to get a little humor in there for um, from a man. But um, I'll always have a special place for those guys. Um, yeah. The Lathrops are synonymous with South Carolina golf. And to be able to be included in that and to be able to feel like I'm – I'm, I'm part of that group means a lot to me and to sit at the table with them and to feel like we can now help continue to progress the game of golf whether it's through supporting junior programs or whether it's through protecting environmental legislative tax issues any of those things that we work with um golf is good golf is strong in south carolina and um proud to be a part of that thank you my man yeah thank y'all for having me enjoyed it though oh. as always Yeah, thank you. I appreciate what you guys do. 